Welcome to the Calvary Chapel Naples Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by this week's message. For more information about this podcast and other Calvary Chapel Naples resources, please visit us at ccnaples.org. Uh, as you guys know, Pastor Aaron's been taking us through the book of Ephesians. And we've gotten thus far up through chapter, well, up, well I guess we'd be starting next, next week in chapter 5. But I was really struck by something that he taught, and I just wanted to kind of take today to kind of bring further elaboration to it. And that's the idea of what is expressed in chapter 4 from verses 17 through, well, pretty much the end of the chapter to 32. This idea of putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And for those of you who are, are believers, for those of you who have received Christ, you know that this is really where the battle of sanctification is. How do we, how do, we do this? What does this look like? How do we put off the old man? And by old man, of course, you don't just mean like, that's my old man, you know, like. <laughs> but these are, these are spiritual, spiritual truths. So let's read together, beginning in verse 17 of chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians. This I say to you, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. He's saying, we, you got to walk, you got to walk differently. Something's got to be changed about you. Something's got to be changed about me. He says in verse 18, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, and this is describing their, their faulty walk, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness and to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you, and this is where the thing kind of changes in our text, but you, you Ephesians, you Neapolitans, you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you, and here we come, that you put off concerning, concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. And he goes now through this list of the, the putting off and the putting on. He kind of puts them the two together. And that's really going to be the focus of the message today. 
is the collaboration of those two things going on, not just in what Paul is writing here to the church in Ephesus, but for you and for me. Are we both putting off and putting on as we live this beautiful life of following Christ? Again, I'm going to read in verse 25, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth. Now put on truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. That is to let, to put off what anger would do poorly in you. And do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who still stole steal no longer put off the, the, the thievery, but rather let him labor, put on the work working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Put off the filthiness of the tongue. But what is good, he says now, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ, excuse me, even as God in Christ forgave you. Yeah, I was reading, I forget exactly when, I think I've come across this passage a number of times. I'm, I'm a huge fan of of Oswald Chambers. Anybody here a big fan of Oswald Chambers? His utmost for, uh, no, our utmost for his highest. He's got the, that'd be bad because I'm turning those around, wouldn't it? Um, such an insightful book, right? I mean, whenever, whenever I need like kind of a spiritual correction, you know, like get back in the other lane, Jeff, I, I read Oswald Chambers because he pretty much puts me in my place. And I was reading in one of these, um, I forget which day it is, but he talked about this issue and that I feel like kind of centers the conversation about the putting off and the putting on. And he talked about this issue of criticism. And he basically said, you know, to be critical of this or that, to be critical of a person, or even to be critical of yourself is, is one thing, you know, to, to notice a flaw, for example. It's not wrong to notice, notice a flaw. Like, especially, if you're, a, if you're a jeweler, for example, your job is to notice flaws and to either correct them, to cut around them, and to make sure that that jewel is flawless. That's your job. There's nothing wrong with having a critical eye. And of course, when we come with people, we have to be much, 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 much more careful with this. Because our criticism or our critical faculty, doesn't that sound quite academic? My critical faculty. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it was, yes. I need a beret now. And the jacket. (laughs) I have no idea where I was. It was just... My critical faculties. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll just end there. I think that's probably. The... <laughs> um, 
in all seriousness, I really don't know where I was going with that. Um, our critical faculty is really honed, though, as, as believers now. It's really honed as believers when it turns into intercession. When you can take what you have seen, when you have taken the, the look of the flaw, within yourself even, and the flaw in, in others. Because we all, can we just be honest? Like, we all, like yeah. who's flawed? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> can we just, let's just start the message there. Can we all just be like, who's flawed? Yep, yeah, all right, all right. And for the hands that didn't go up, we can talk <laughs> after. <laughs> over a coffee, or like 10 coffees, it might take a while, um, as we go through the law of Moses. Um, it's supposed to be so that we become intercessors. And that's where the putting off of what, like what criticism can do in your mind and your heart is cause you to look down on yourself and on other people because it's only focused on that. But intercession is where you take that flaw and you bring it before the Lord and you ask him to do something about it for yourself and for others. And I feel like that's, the, that's a, just an awesome example of what the putting off and then the putting on is because Jesus has a purpose through the Holy Spirit to take these things that we have and turn them into beautiful things. Put off, but also from that, put on. Let's now break this down a little bit further. What, is it, what does it mean to put off the old man? What in our whole passage here in Ephesians 4, these are the things that he says is, is basically what putting off the old man is. These are the things you're supposed to say no to. Lewdness. Uncleanness, greediness, lying, anger, thievery, corrupt words, all bitterness, and all bitterness, all bitterness, even like bittersweet chocolate. <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid, I remember. My mom had Baker's chocolate, which is not even bittersweet, it's just bitter. And I got so excited when I came down the stairs late at night because I was like, I saw the chocolate in the drawer and I was like, oh, it's gonna be the greatest night ever. That stuff is nasty. Man, I was like coughing in the kitchen, totally blew my cover. Bad night. You know. When the treat you're hoping for is like, turns out to be your, your nemesis, that's not good. Yeah. Kids, listen up. Don't eat that baker's chocolate. Don't try it. It looks great. It goes down bad. It's bad. All bitterness put away wrath, anger. Oh, I mentioned that before. I'm going to put it in twice for good measure. Clamor. Evil speaking. All malice. Malice. 
It's kind of an interesting word, isn't it? Malice has everything to do with the condition of the heart towards, well, usually towards people. Malice. When's the last time you thought about whether or not you had malice? It's a kind of a, feels like a medieval kind of word. He had much malice towards his enemy, you know? But it's the intent of a heart. He says, put all that away. Now, this is quite a list, even as I'm kind of speaking, and I'm kind of recognizing even within myself. I'm like, certain things are kind of checking my spirit. Certain things are like, yeah, still, still working on that, you know? Still working on that. But this is, again, this is just the first part. This is just the putting off. We haven't even gotten to the putting on. And, and this is what I want to make a really clear distinction about this morning. You see, some people are actually really good at this first part, the putting off of the old man. I would call these people more naturally moralistic people. Do you know people like this? People who seem to like, man, they seem to be kind of like, don't do wrong. Now, I'm not that kind of person. Just to be completely upfront. Like, that's not me. I think morality is great. But it's like up here for me. It's like, feels like unattainable. But see, even if you're here this morning, and maybe, maybe there's a couple of you, there seems to be a few in the, in the crowds, moralists, I would call them, who are like good at not disobeying. But being a moralist doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't, it doesn't make you a Christian at all. It makes you someone who maybe doesn't do certain bad things. It doesn't make you holy. Again, going back to the Oswald Chambers thing, right? It's like, you could be not critical, great, but have you taken the next step of then interceding, right? That, that's the putting on. So if, if, if you're, but if, let's say you're not good at those things. Let's say you're, you're not a moralist. You're maybe like me. <laughs> you struggle with them. Then this next part is for you. This is called a traffic cone. You guys aware of these? Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> wow, the message just changed. <laughs> I call this, this is the ministry of the cone. I'd forget when this was introduced to me. I don't know. This is something my wife and I have talked about a lot, actually, in our home. In our lives, this is like, this is part of our, like, private Christian life, is this, this issue of the ministry of the cone. And what is the ministry of the cone? You're like, where is that in the text? <laughs> it's not in the text, guys. <laughs> It's what I've taken from the text and then applied to my life. And here's what the ministry of the cone is. It's the, it's the tool to help you conquer step one of putting off the old man. If you struggle with that like I do, what do you do? And what this is, is when that stuff comes, when the lying thought before the lying word comes, you have to ask the Lord to put a stop to it. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this, of course, comes back to the whole like malice and the heart thing. Like, do you actually want to stop the old man? Because sometimes you don't. I'm not saying you don't. I know for me, sometimes I don't. You're like, oh my gosh, the pastor doesn't want to do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And if I know you, because I know me, sometimes you don't either. Sometimes the old man is just there and you're like, that's just fine. Let's have a coffee and a scone and hang out with the old man. This anger has served me well. Back in 82, when I was three and righteous. So we're just going to sit here and do this thing. But if you, if you want to take seriously the, the putting off of the old man, then you have to ask him to help you to put a stop to it. And that's what this is. This is my reminder, my, my visual cue when I start to go down the path of, can you believe, can you, can, when, they, when they said, did you hear what they said? I, don't, I can't believe it. And you just start to go down that and you just kind of like, Okay. Just going to stop there. And when the malice comes on Interstate 75, (laughs) don't people even believe in turn signals anymore? Boom. It's, <laughs> that's for my friend. <laughs> You've probably all said that, probably, you know. I don't know what your traffic words of choice are, but turn signal's up there, right? Yeah. Do they have to break at the last minute, right? We could go on and on. You could be sermon series for the rest of your life on that one. But again, the reminder, the cone, just that's the first step of putting off the old man. Is you got to just realize that there is a a line that has to be drawn. And I think sometimes we get confused about this, like like oh, if the Lord's going to change me, then He's going to like completely alter every aspect of my thinking. It's like no, 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 no. You you this is where you come in. Like you agreed to receive Christ, you also have to agree to be sanctified by that Christ who you received. You have to ask for the reminder. You have to ask for the cone, the ministry of the cone, so that the old man can continually be put off. And I think this is the the big thing about the issue of like morality. Right, and this is kind of the, the distinguishing part between the moralist, right, the person who just does what is good or doesn't do, maybe, maybe better to said is doesn't do what is bad, is that it's very different from biblical morality. You see, biblical morality is God's way of communicating to you this wonderful thing of helping him see the world as he does. 
You see, it's not just about not disobeying. It's about expressing love for the creator, love for other people. And when you see morality through that lens, this whole cone thing, rather than being something that is stopping you, for the Christian, it's something that is freeing you. And that's the big change. That's the change I still am wrestling with and dealing with in my own mind, is can I see these stoppings, these putting-offs as my freedom? Or am I always going to like, like the, like the horse with the bit in the bridle, like always just like, you ever seen a horse when they put one on and they're just, they're just fighting it the whole time, but there's the old horse next to it. The old horse is like, it'll be fine. Just let her in. Let's go. But the new horse is like, you know, just every little, every little chance where the, the thing that the control him is just because he thinks it's, it's, it's going to hurt him. And it's exactly the opposite. Biblical morality is to free you. Everything else is there to keep you bound up. Bondage. That's bondage. And also to keep you from feeling that thing that no one likes to feel, which is guilty. Who likes to to leave a, a situation or a leave your workplace feeling guilty. Who, who, just a show of hands. Who likes to feel guilt? And, oh. <laughs> this is to keep you free so that you don't have to deal with that nagging guilt. Man, that stuff's nagging, isn't it? It's like in the pit. It's like it's worse than the Thanksgiving turkey feeling, like that kind of the fullness. I feel like the guilt is like somehow it's like the the awful expansion of the soul to kind of like almost like like burning. It's to free you from the weight. So anyhow, that's that's the ministry of the cone. That's just the putting off of the old man. But again, that's step one. What's the putting on of the new man? Well, who was Jesus? He was the new man, was he not? He's the perfect example of it. And he wasn't just a moralist when you, when you read through the Gospels. He wasn't just, hey, stop doing bad. No, he was a restorer. He was a healer. He was a redeemer. And that's why step two is so important for us is not to just put off the old man, but also to take that next step. And maybe some of you struggle with this, especially the moralist types. Like, have you taken the next step to put on the new man? It's a nice white jacket. It's actually not that nice. It's kind of a cheap white jacket, actually. But the putting on of the new man requires you to be clothed differently, right? I know this looks a little odd. It feels a little odd. And, and honestly, my, my new man doesn't really look like this, but uh, <laughs> it's a demonstration, right? 
Seriously, look bad? No, it's good. You guys are good liars. <laughs> I need a tie. She told me that afterwards. This is the second part, right? Sorry, my sleeve won't come down. You ever have that problem? I'm having that problem now. Pray for me. Putting on the new man is, is the second part. And what is that? It's asking, just like you ask the Holy Spirit to stop you, ask him to dress you. It's not enough to just stop the old man. You have to put on the new man. The change of your character, how you live. And this is just like what we will get to in chapter 6, which is the, the armor of God. This is very much akin to that same thing. And the scriptures tell us here in this passage, what is the putting on of the new man? Well, here it is, renewed in the spirit of your mind. The spirit of your mind? Yes. Everything to do with how you think. How you process things. He says that there's going to be true righteousness and holiness. You can't do this stuff on your own. You can't dress yourself this way on your own. It's impossible. I don't care how many cool white jackets you have. It just ain't going to work. This is getting really hot, by the way. And putting on the new man is to be created according to God. It's speaking the truth with your neighbor. It's not letting the sun go down on your anger. It's working with your hands and having something to give others in need. It's speaking what is good for edification. It's the building up and giving of grace. It's the being kind to one another, tender-hearted and forgiving. Tender-hearted. You know who I think of when I think about tender-hearted? Fred Rogers. <laughs> Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Just seems like a tender-hearted kind of guy. I wrestle with who Fred Rogers was. I don't know if you guys have seen, have you guys seen some of the documentaries about Fred Rogers? He's a fascinating character, right? Children's television. I don't know. If, if, if you ever watched your episode and you're like, I needed to hear that. I'm sitting with a six-year-old, but I needed to hear that. Fred Rogers, does God love me too? <laughs> he has that way of kind of sneaking into... <laughs> And you may ask yourself, when you, when you think about that list of the, the new man, you're like, how in the world? <laughs> how in the world am I going to do that? I'm glad you asked. That's a great question, really. Great. I'll see you at the door afterwards. Well, because the, here's, here's the answer. It's quite simple. You can't. And that's, that's a beautiful thing when you realize that. You can't. It's not for you to do. And this is, this is again, where the, the distinction with the moralist is really, really important. If you think that you can dress yourself to be like Christ, you're just fooling yourself because you can't put on the new man. It's something that only the Spirit can do. The only way for us, us to grow is to ask as soon as he tells you to put off the old man and be like, okay, now, come on. Now equip me, build me, change me, mold me, make me, have your way. To summarize all this is really verse 30. Please look with me in Ephesians 4, verse 30. 
and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. This is the key to all this. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to take this off. That's the key to all this. Because the Holy Spirit is the member of the Trinity that is pretty much in charge of the ministry of the cone and the ministry of the white jacket. He's the one who's going to tell you with all these subtle reminders. Oh, 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 oh. You ever hear that? No, 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 no. That's the Greek. No, 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 no. In Hebrew, it's... In Aramaic, I'm not sure. Somebody can look that up for second service. And then, that's the, that's the cone, right? The na na na. The ah. But then comes your part. He'll stop you. But do you want him to change you? That's what you need to then ask the na 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 voice. All right. Help me. Help me here. Put, help me put on this new man. There's, a, there's another name for the Holy Spirit in the Bible, and it's the, the name parakletos, which just means to, to come alongside a helper. And some of us don't like that. We're like, you're like, I'm my own man. That's, thank you very much. I'm cool. I put the cone. I, I stop the thing. I do the stuff. I cook the steak. We're good to go. Um, and you need a helper. You need a helper. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is. He's the come alongside. He's the, let me help you with that, that jacket. You know, every, every personality has a spirit, right? All of, you are, all of you all are different. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. You're probably abundantly aware of that. You're like, yes, we know. You're very, very, very different one from another. Husbands and wives, kids and parents, Worship team, non-worship team, worshipers, all y'all. Y'all different. And you have different struggles. You have different strengths. You have different weaknesses. And here's the thing is sometimes I think people get confused on this point is that they're like, man, what am I supposed to do with my personality? What am I supposed to do with who I am? Let me tell you, quite simply, let the Holy Spirit shape your personality to being God's man or woman for the hour. Don't, you're not supposed to be somebody else. You're supposed to be Christ-like in who you were made to be. He doesn't want you to be the other person. He wants you to be you filled with the Spirit. He doesn't want you to be your wife. He wants you to be the husband filled with the Spirit. And so often I think we can get trapped in wanting to be perhaps like somebody else. And he's like, no, no, no. Be you. Be you filled with me. This transformation, this completion has showed us actually in the earlier part of the chapter. Read with me in verses 11 through 15. Here he's talking about spiritual gifts in the equipping of the church. And he says... 
And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ until, and here's the arrival point, until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's every person in the body of Christ who does the job of putting off the old man, putting on the new man. When you, when you wake up and you start your day and you're like, okay, Lord, put off the old man and help me put on the new man. That's the church functioning in its fullness, having been equipped, right? Now, let me tell you a couple of stories because we just passed Thanksgiving about how this has been part of our history. You guys are familiar with the traditional Thanksgiving story, right? Or to a certain extent. There's three characters that I want to mention who have had interesting histories. The first is William Bradford, who was the eventual future governor of the, of the first colonies. Squanto, the Indian who actually eventually helped him, who became a good friend, and then later we'll talk about Abraham Lincoln. You may have heard about these guys in history class, or you may have heard about them through various broadcasts. You may or may not know their stories, though. Who actually were they? Where did they come from? How did they become the, these emblems of history that we now know? We'll start with William Bradford. In the first winter that he came over, he lost half of his people. You guys probably know that, right? Tremendous loss. Where did he begin, though? William Bradford was an orphan. He grew up in Scrooby, England. Every time I read Scrooby, England, I think about Scooby Dooby Doo. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm only saying it because you did too. He just not willing to do the cone and put off the old man, okay? <laughs> Scrooby, England. He found his way to what were known as the English separatists, also then later known as the Puritans. They separated themselves from the Church of England because it had grown extremely corrupt at that time. It had been a kind of a kind of church and state marriage that is never a good idea. <clears throat> and he had joined them and become a believer. Ten years later, the whole group fled to Holland because of religious persecution. Excuse me. Yes, ten years later. And then after that, they came back, and then uh, uh, under persecution again, they went then to the New World, and that's why they came over to what we now know as the United States, the New World. When he came over, he was with his wife, Dorothy, and they actually had to leave their four-year-old son in England because it was too perilous a journey for a young boy. When they, when they arrived in the New World, his wife, Dorothy, actually fell off the boat and drowned and died. So, when you think about the pilgrims and coming to this place and celebrating Thanksgiving, and you remember, and you know then what they had to go through, 
it makes you realize that their, their decision to be thankful, their decision to celebrate thankfulness was nothing short of a miracle. And just like it probably is in your lives too. For us to put on the new man of, of thankfulness is not an easy task. You may say to your children, it's a, hey, just be thankful. I'm going to tell you all the adults, hey guys, just be thankful. But I know, I know, that's not an easy task. It requires some of this, doesn't it? All the stuff that you could grieve about, all the stuff of all the loss that did happen, all the things that didn't go your way, all the things that William Bradford had to face. He had to put that off. He had to put this on. Let's talk about Squanto. He was the Indian who helped the revered fellow Bradford. They were, they were close. They were friends. Who was Squanto? Well, he actually had grown up in the village where the Puritans eventually landed. But years later, he was kidnapped by a ruthless sea captain and taken in slavery to the nation of Spain. When he was in Spain, he was eventually freed by a group of monks. And that's where he eventually became a Christian. He ended up going to England, and he learned English there. That's why he was able to communicate with Bradford and the Puritans. He finally eventually sailed back across the Atlantic to his native land. And when he arrived, he found his former village wiped out because of disease. He heard about these new settlers through an Indian named Samoset, and he helped them to plant crops and form a special friendly trade agreement with their chief, Massasoit. How in the world did Squanto get written into a celebration of thankfulness when he had to go through all that? Would you be thankful if you had been sold into slavery? and then return to your homeland and your whole village was wiped out, would you be willing to help the people who had now come? Would you help them plant their corn? How did he do it? How did he do it even from an emotional sense? How did he, how did he recover? He put off the old man. He put on the new man. Lincoln. We all know the famous Thanksgiving Proclamation of 1863, or if you don't know it, you know it now. You've been served. What you may not know is that in that year of 1863, they were in the middle of the Civil War, 1861 to 65. There was not a lot to be thankful for because of all the carnage. And just three months before that famous proclamation, a major thing had happened in, in Lincoln's life. It was the Battle of Gettysburg, where some 60,000 lives were lost. And actually, Gettysburg is very important, not just because of what you know of the, the Gettysburg Address, but it's important because of what happened to Lincoln 
when he was there. These are his words that he wrote to a clergyman. He said, when I left Springfield, Illinois, which is where he was before, to assume the presidency, I asked the people to pray for me. But he says, I was not a Christian. When I buried my son, which was the severest trial of my life, I was not a Christian. But when I went to Gettysburg and saw the graves of thousands of our soldiers, I then and there consecrated myself to Christ. That's where he put off the old man. In the middle of that carnage, and decided. And it was just three months later that he's giving a proclamation of thanks. And that's what I think Thanksgiving is really all about, is us putting off all the stuff that can, in, in many ways, maybe logically, would keep you from being thankful. It's really easy. Most people do it fairly well. But to put on the new man to be thankful, that's a work of the Spirit. That's the work that only God can do. And I'll just close with this. Sometimes we wonder, how, how do I know? Okay, you know, it's history, right? Okay, oh, okay, Bradford did it. Okay, cool. Squanto, great, check. Lincoln, yeah. What about me? How do I know? How do, how do I know that this is actually happening to me? And maybe, and maybe as, a, as a Christian, you struggle with this. Like, I don't think I'm changing. I'm not sure I'm becoming more like Christ. I've, I've received Christ. I'm not sure. Most of the time, when the putting off of the old man is then coupled with the putting on of the new man, the evidence of it is very, 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 very subtle but very important. Let me give you an example. Let's say you have a friend, and this friend has suddenly become very successful. Maybe it's in their business. Maybe it's very successful in their family. They just, every time you go over to their house, you're like, man, it's like a party over there. They're just constantly having a party. And for, for years, it's, it's plagued you that you have this kind of it's this envy of it, or this jealousy of it, or any number of things. You're like, oh, you're like, just don't like it. And you're praying, you're praying, Lord, put off the old man, put on the new man, but I'm not feeling it because I still have these, these thoughts, these things that plague me. I don't feel very Christ-like. I feel that sense of guilt. And then one time you go over there, and they tell you about the next great thing that's happened. Hey, we got a boat, you know, whatever it is. And you're like, hey, that's great. And you say it. And the last time you said it, you didn't mean it. But now you say it. And you mean it. That's the new man. There it is. That's that bud. Keep watering it in. And when you, when you speak to your wife or your husband, and you're like, man, that thing's been nagging me for years. Hey, 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 Ash, do I look good in this jacket? And for years she said, yeah, but no. And there's that thing. These are very practical things. And all of a sudden you find yourself 
that thing that nags you about your spouse or within your family member. You're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. You know, it doesn't, doesn't bother you anymore. That's the new man. The old man, which would be the, the critical one, you know? You're like, I'm just going to pray for your choice of outfit, actually, you know? <laughs> Lord, would you cause a fire to happen in his closet? <laughs> How many times has he worn that Hawaiian shirt? Will he ever pick up his socks? Those kinds of things. And then you find yourself, you know what, I'm just going to help him out. That's the new man. And I want you to be encouraged by this. I want you to be built up, equipped, to just ask the Lord the same way that you ask him to, to take off the old man, the same way that you ask him to put on the new man, ask him to help you see the evidence of the new man. And he will show you. And that's how you know. In the privacy of your own heart. People, you may, somebody may ne- never know what these little buds of the new man are. But you will know because it's a change within you. And that's the thing. That's the thing to celebrate. And to wrap it all up into Thanksgiving, you know, when you find yourself truly thankful and you're like, I'm thankful for this. That's the new man. There it is, shining in all of his glory. If you're here this morning and, and you struggle with the putting off, with the cone, with the putting on, we have prayer partners over here. That's what we do. We, we put out the word, we, we water it in, we, we pray it in. That's how you water it in. Come and seek prayer, you know? Nobody's looking. Nobody cares, honestly. (laughs) We just want to help people grow. Pray for me to see more evidence of the new man. If you're here and you're not a Christian, maybe you're a moralist. If if you're here and you've never really understood what putting off the old man is in that that great sense, it's it's a work that only God can do. And it's by recognizing that the blood of Jesus Christ on that cross where he died is there to help you put off all the sin of your life, all the error of your life, and to provide forgiveness for you so that you can be guilt-free, just like I talked about before. If you're tired of nagging guilt, you need to receive Christ. And the same thing, come and talk to these friends, these prayer partners. The worship team, come on up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for just the simplicity of your word, Lord. Thank you so much for the beauty of what you invite us to, which is the constant dressing of the, of the new man by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for, well, thank you for you. <laughs> thank God for God. Because without you, Lord, we, we wouldn't exist, and we definitely wouldn't be redeemed but now there's a whole room of new men, new, new women, new kids, newness all around. You smell it? Newness by the Spirit. Lord, thank you for the work that you do in us. 
We ask you to continue to do it. Help us to put off the old man. Help us to put on the new man. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.